0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am so happy you've chosen to join us today. I'm your host, Rachel Adams, and today's episode features Chelsea DeMattis. Chelsea lives in the sweetest little suburb of Westerville, Ohio, with her husband, Corey, and their sweet two-year-old son, Camden. She is the host of the weekly aired Living With Less podcast, which focuses on living with less of the things getting in the way of who Christ is calling us to be. Chelsea loves her local church and serving in women's ministry, where she gets to watch Jesus change women from the inside out. You can learn more about Chelsea by visiting her website at chelseadematis.com and tune into the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Chelsea. Hey Chelsea, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and
1: just excited to see what the Lord does here.
0: So, I don't know if listeners heard um when I actually got to be a guest on your podcast yeah. several months ago, which was so much fun. Um it, but so after getting to know you, I just couldn't wait to have you as my guest on here. Mm-hmm. You're so and, sweet. So, your podcast is called Living with Less mm-hmm. and it's based on one of your life verses which is John 3:30 which mm-hmm. says he must increase but I must decrease. Mm-hmm. So what does this verse mean mm-hmm. to you and why did you choose to use it as the basis of your podcast ministry? So
1: I love when people ask this because I feel like God does so many things that we just don't understand them when he first lays something on our heart it's just like the first layer and when the Lord had laid this on my heart, like I said, I felt kind of confused. I was like, okay, he must increase. I must decrease. And what does that mean? And as I wrestled and prayed through this, I felt him just continue to show me all of these things in my life that I needed to live with less of, and these things that were getting in the way of who he was calling me to be. And I feel like John three thirty just has been something that has challenged my life, it's changed my life, and it's shaped my life in every single area, every facet of life you can imagine. He's worked in all of those things, and it's not nudge from him in doing this, and it is the thing that birthed the podcast, where I just really felt him put on my heart to share with everyone all that he's been teaching me. And now being able to have guests on the show, like having you on the show, bringing people on to just share the things and their life that God has given them. And that the Lord has put on my heart that takes our eyes off of us and puts our eyes on him. And just seeing how it's just been really cool to see how the Holy Spirit has just kind of led this whole area and just birthed this new season of life. I feel like you know, I've been praying about, it says, I can't think of the actual verse, but how he's always doing a new thing. And I feel like I'm living in that new thing. And that's just really cool when you've prayed that for a while and then you're actually seeing it. So that's where all of this began. And it really was the start of the podcast. It came from that. So it was just really cool how they've gone hand in
0: hand. Well, so you are a proponent of getting rid of our stuff because it takes up room in our minds and our hearts that belong to Christ. Why do you say this and how do we get rid of our stuff? Oh my. So
1: interestingly enough, the first episode I ever did, it all began when I was cleaning out my closet and I was, it was January 2nd of 2019. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to live with less is the first thing that I was thinking of when the Lord laid this on my heart. And like I said, it's turned into literally the things in my life, not just the stuff in my life. But I felt like this is where the Lord had to start with me because if someone had to pick a word to describe me other than God's girl or a girl that like runs after Jesus, it would probably be sentimental. I'm so sentimental. Everything has a memory, like you name it. There's probably a long story attached to it in my life. And so this whole mission that the Lord gave me, and like I said, began with it sitting in my closet, I was surrounded by these clothes that if anyone's like me or you're all probably thinking, wow, girl, you should have thrown that stuff away a long time ago, (laughs) but I still had stuff in my closet from high school. I'm 28, so it wasn't that long ago, but over the last nine years, I had just continued to accumulate more stuff and not get rid of anything else. And as I was sifting through these clothes, I kept thinking about all the memories that were attached to them. And some of them were good memories, but honestly, a lot of them were filled with pain and bad choices and consequences. And I just really felt the Lord putting on my heart that you need to rid your life physically of these things So that I can make room for the things that I want to teach you, the memories that I want to plant in your mind, the things that I want you to be, to have more space to do. Because when you walk in your closet, which is for me, one of the first places I go every day, here's a room in my home that's full of, that was full, it's not anymore, but was full of constant reminders of bad choices and sin and consequences. So it was just really cool that he started with that and just showed me that I need to get rid of the things that don't hold value in my life and that don't point me to him. So if someone asked me, how do you get rid of your life stuff? How do you get rid of these things that you've had for so long? And I would just tell them, ask what it makes you think of and how you feel when you're around it. Spiritually speaking, not just how the world would tell us because the world makes everything disposable at this day and age, but right. spiritually speaking." How do things make you feel and what do they make you think of? And if it brings up old wounds or pain or consequences that you have worked through with the Lord and it just kind of reopens that, then I say, toss it out. And if it doesn't point you to Jesus, it probably needs to go. But there are certain things where like I have a shirt, for instance, that was from my grandmother back when I was in high school. I probably won't ever wear the shirt again, but it's special to me and it brings back good memories and sweet things about her. So that is something that I chose to keep because it doesn't take me back to a bad place.
0: Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about even like the closets of our hearts, you know, Yes. All oh the my stuff gosh, we're yes. hanging on to that. We, it, we just need to get rid of because yes. it's, it's just bad memories. And, you know, and then all the things that um, God is wanting us to sift through and him to say, you need to keep this mm-hmm. or get rid of this. you know Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: That's well, so you, you actually call yourself a late bloomer to accepting mm-hmm. Christ. So would you share when you first became a believer? Sure. So I
1: grew up in the church. My family had been in the church since I was little. So I had always gone to church, but I never took it seriously. I just kind of thought it was a bunch of rules and regulations that a girl like me didn't need. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) The first story that comes to my mind when I think of getting a first, that first taste of the Lord, but I didn't understand what was going on because like I said, I wasn't like tuned into the Holy spirit. I hadn't asked the Lord into my heart, but I was in a really terrible season, my senior year of high school, and I just wanted to leave my house. I just wanted to go somewhere. And I actually drove to the church I'd grown up in. And I just sat in the balcony and a section of pews and just bawled my eyes out. And so that's kind of the first image I get in my mind of my heart making these steps towards Christ that I in my flesh was not noticing. Because nothing really changed in my life, but that was the first thing that I think of when I felt that conversion kind of going on in my heart. But then it wasn't until I moved to Columbus in August of 2011 that I woke up one day. I knew my brother had had a few friends that lived in Columbus. He was a believer. He'd been a believer. Um, He's four years older than me, so he had been a believer basically his whole life. And I knew he had a few friends here, and I woke up and thought, I want to go to church today. So I Facebook messaged a couple that lived here and asked if I could go to church with them. And it was sitting in that service that I felt just something moving inside of me. And they asked people to stand up if they wanted to accept Christ. And I I just got goosebumps telling the story again. I wish I could explain what I was feeling going on inside, but I can't even put words to it because I just remember telling myself I was wearing these huge wedged high heels you know trying to look all cute for church <laughs> like that mattered but I was just telling myself like don't you dare stand up you keep your bottom in this seat and the next thing I knew I was standing up and asking the Lord into my heart um, and then it was a few months later that I ended up actually getting baptized in February of 2012 and I just, that was kind of that season of my life where I just felt the Lord moving. I felt, I felt like my heart was finally seeing that Christianity is not a bunch of rules and regulations that the Lord actually has rules and laws and calls us to obedience because he loves us and that there's safety within that. And I finally just found that this is a safe place. This isn't a place that should make me feel, um, the way that I had been feeling all those years. And so God just really captivated my heart with that. When he started breaking my heart for what broke his and yeah, it just became that sweet season with him of just working through the things that I had had a lot of misconceptions about before I chose to ask him in
0: my heart. So before this, I guess you had, um, maybe just a season of brokenness, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. when going to that church pew and just crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you, you deeply believe in the healing power of Jesus mm-hmm. and the restoration that he gives our souls. Would you share how he has healed and restored your soul?
1: Absolutely. I'm very emotional. So this part might get a little tear So 16 to 20 year old Chelsea um, was fueled with, Lust and rebellion and secrecy and just truly living for myself. And I know a lot of people can say, oh, well, you were really young. You were just trying to figure it out. But looking back now, I go, I might have been really young and I didn't have things figured out, but I didn't have Jesus. That's what I didn't have. And that's why my life was fueled by these things that were just sin. And looking at them now, you know, those three things, they make me shudder. They, they make my stomach hurt because I, I sit there. I'm like, I hate, I hate all of those things. I hate when I see those things in other people's lives. And I hate that that's what defined my life in that season. You know, I loved attention from guys. And for whatever reason, I kind of lived for that. I don't know, I guess, feeling of excitement that came with making poor decisions. If that even, that makes no logical sense, but that's the blindingness that was going on in my life. And I just lived for that feeling of rebelling and then needing to cover those things up. But So that's my season of seeing really hard stuff, things that I just pray my child never ends up in. But then I got to watch, kind of looking back over my life, watching Jesus take this girl who was defined by everything that everyone else thought of her, or it made me um, feel like I mattered, or whatever was all kind of balled up into that. He turned that girl into someone that just wanted nothing more than to be like him. And that does that just, doesn't just happen. You know, that's actual revival from the Lord. That's Those things can't just happen from someone saying, I'm going to be a better person when I wake up tomorrow. And I know there are some people that would probably disagree with that, but I firmly believe at the deepest part of my soul that you cannot go from the girl that I was to the girl that I am now without the healing power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I just remember too going to my first Bible study And I couldn't stop asking questions. And that's another thing for me. I never liked school. I did not like learning and being told I had to learn all of these things. And again, on a small scale, but still the healing power of Jesus in my life made me go to Bible study and ask questions. I wanted to know so much about him. And so he not only just captivated my heart by his love, but he truly captivated my soul because he healed the way that I viewed boundaries and he healed the way that I viewed rules and order and all of that. And so I quickly learned again, that these things were out of a place of love and not a place of trying to control in the way that my mind had been skewed to believe it was.
0: You also say that, you know, all too well, the feeling of Mm -hmm. unworthy to receive the Mm -hmm. truth of the gospel, which I think if we're honest, all of us feel the Mm way. So would you just share why this is the case for you and how do you overcome this feeling?
1: So for me, coming from that season of brokenness, I think like you said, everybody feels it, but sometimes it's just different in the way you came to the Lord. Right. So for me, I felt like because of the choices I had been making, I felt like Christians judged me when honestly I was probably the one very I was very busy judging them and I felt like no Christian girls could possibly be as broken as I was, which we know is a complete lie. And I just remember thinking that church is for good girls and that just isn't me. Church doesn't fit me. And I think that's one of the scary things that happens when we're so submerged into the world and we feel like, well, if it doesn't fit me, then I can't possibly fit it when that's again, the complete opposite of what the church is about. And over the years, God has shown me so many things in regards to this. And one of them is while I was busy judging some of these girls by his grace, they were praying for me. Like I know specific girls that I was like, oh my gosh, they probably just think I'm X, Y, and Z. And I know they had been praying for me and praying for my heart. And so he just showed me that While I was in a place of sin, they were loving on me and praying his best for me. And then not only were these girls broken, just like me, but some of them had brokenness that was the same as mine. And like I said, I had been so concerned with, well, they don't understand my brokenness. And some of them had the same stuff as me. And then the other thing that I felt like he really has taught me over these last couple of years praise the Lord, but church is not just for good people or bad people. It's for people who need a savior. And that's all of us. Amen. Right. And I think that just, that really opened my eyes to seeing that church isn't just for one type of people. It's for all people. And for me, I can be, I can think very black and white about certain things. And when it came to overcoming this, you know, was church for me and, and do I really belong here? The Lord just blessed me with putting these women in my life who came from the same brokenness that I was coming out of. And he just surrounded me with the, these women that loved me where I was, but they were pointing me to what Christ wanted for me and what he wanted for my life. And so it just gave me a really, a safe place to land. So in overcoming that feeling, it's, it's been for me taking my eyes off of myself and asking the Lord, the questions about what do you want me to learn in this? And what am I missing about you? Because I'm so focused on me.
0: Mm -hmm. That is good advice. So during this season of your life, God has been nudging you to share Mm -hmm. the layers of your messy and yet beautiful story of believing Mm -hmm. and living in the freedom of Christ that he has for all of us. So How has living in the freedom of Christ changed you personally? I feel like I've said this a
1: hundred times already, but truly it's just given me a safe place to land. This relationship with him has given me like looking at freedom in Christ. I just see security. And I think a lot of us, we roam this world and we go searching for things to try and make us feel better and try and make us feel more full, but we keep coming up empty handed and living in this freedom. The freedom of Christ has just allowed me to experience firsthand how personal God is and that within the messiest parts of who I am, he has still shown me how much he loves me and that I was actually never walking and roaming this earth without his eyes on me. And I just have to sit and and sit with that for a minute. And I just, I hope everyone listening can just sit with that and think his eyes are always on us. Even before we accept him, he is always watching us and pursuing us and loving on us. And, you know, in Psalm 139, it talks about how the moment of conception, he was there. He knit us together and he's still there at the end of our days. And by his grace, we then get to spend eternity with him. And so just realizing that he's always there. He has always been there. There was never a season in my life where I walked alone. And that's just, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that has changed me personally is knowing that I think I felt like I needed to be strong on my own. When I realized that you can't be strong on your own. I mean, we all know that we know, um, I can't think of it the verse in Philippians where I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need Christ to strengthen us. There's no walking through this world by ourselves. We can't come out of that in a good place. And he's just given me that security of knowing that in him and with him and his leading, he's going to put me where he wants me.
0: Yes. That is such a comforting thought. Mm Mm-hmm. If the woman listening is in the midst of living a life that she would consider messy, how do you suggest that she believe it is also part of a beautiful story? Oh,
1: I know that's so hard. And it's so hard to see that when you're living it. Cause I've been in those seasons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So two things I want to say. The first one is I had shared this with a girlfriend that was walking through we were both walking through equally hard seasons, but they were very different things. And she was a, it, she's a newer believer. And I remember her asking me, how do you keep showing up? Like, how do you keep having your faith when you go through things like this? And it was totally by the Holy spirit makes me want to cry. Cause I, I, that I can just picture it in my head. I hope I never forget this picture of my mind, but I just looked at her and I said, because without, him, my pain has no purpose. There's no purpose for it. And so if you're in a hard season where it's just kind of a circumstance that happened, maybe it happened to you, or it was a choice of someone else that you're now dealing with consequences for, I just pray that, you know, and see that the Lord will use this thing, and but you have to allow him to use it. And that he will always bring purpose to our pain, whether it's something for him and his glory that other people will see in your life here, or whether that's something waiting in eternity, you know, but I just feel like that's the first thing where if it's something that someone is living in because of a consequence to someone else's choice, just to know that he will use that and he will use that season. But then there's the other side where if your life feels messy and disheveled because of a circumstance in your life due to you making a sin choice, which is like me, because I have made those decisions too. I just pray that she would know that God loves her where she is right now, but he loves her too much to leave her there and to leave that sin unattended. And to know that our life is always about him. Our life is not about us. And so he wants to do that new thing in you because he wants to show us his heart and his character And so whether, you know, you're in this season due to sexual rebellion or addiction, marital hardship, financial struggles, family problems, unexpected pregnancy, you know, whatever that is to know that he will use it, but there also may be consequences, but to cling to that truth that he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. And it's also biblical. And again, I know it can be hard when you're sitting in a season of sin where you chose to do the sinful decisions and now you're dealing with the consequences. But when I was preparing for this, and you sent me these questions, Rachel, I was thinking of Abraham and Sarah and then David and Bathsheba. So Sarah's choice of sin when she chose to let Abraham, um, you know, be with their servant Hagar, That brought affliction to her marriage that brought affliction to Hagar and Abraham and Ishmael, which was the child that came from that decision. And then even down the road, when she got pregnant with Isaac, when Sarah got pregnant with Isaac, you know, there was so, there were so many layers of consequence to that one choice of sin and their life, but. God did still bless Abraham and Sarah with a child, and he did still bless their offspring. You know it says in genesis twenty two eighteen and through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me so even though what started in sin, you know God still used that, but there was still consequence attached to that, so I just pray that they whoever is listening to this, that might be in that season to know that the consequences are. Not the whole part of your story. There's still glory and redemption from the Lord in that. Um, And then with David, you know, him and Bathsheba's relationship, she ended up having a baby and that baby lost its life. And so, again, there was consequence to that decision. But yet David was still the one that God said he um, what did he call him? The man that pursued his heart.
0: Yeah. The man after his own heart. Right. Thank
1: you. Yes. the man after his own heart who made, I mean, think of that, what a sinful decision, but yet God still called him that.
0: Mm. And so
1: to just see that your sin doesn't negate God's goodness because he's good and God can't step outside of his character, but there will always be consequences.
0: Yeah. Those are such good examples. And I agree with everything you said. And then I was just thinking. Another layer to that, my, um, at church one Sunday, my pastor was talking about David and Bathsheba and he said, um, even great people, because David was the man after God's own heart, even great people can make terrible mistakes, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're terrible people. Absolutely. And I just, I don't know, that really spoke to me too. Thinking Mm -hmm. like we, you know, you've shared your background so honestly Mm -hmm. and trans, you know, we, we all have. Sin. we've all made choices we're not proud of you know mm-hmm. like we all have a past and things that we would love to do differently if we could now in the light of our relationship with Jesus and even even as Jesus followers I still mm-hmm. fall short daily <laughs> and Amen. so um, yes but just knowing it, recognizing there is consequence to our sin but recognizing that God knows we are fallen people and he can still use us just Mm -hmm. gives me so much hope um so I love I love love all that you shared so so on this same topic you are Mm -hmm. also quoted to say that our mess doesn't Mm -hmm. negate his goodness Mm -hmm. so what makes you come to this conclusion I'm smiling
1: and just nodding my head because man that I feel like I'm so thankful that God is still good when I am not. And like, I know I had just said, my choices do not change his character. There is nothing I can do in my life that changes the character of God. There's nothing I can do in my life that changes what the word of God says. Praise the Lord. Yes, (laughs) And that's where we see grace and mercy intersect these hard parts of our lives that when you know, Jesus went to the cross. He took on all of my sin. He took on all of your sin. He took on everybody's sin that's listening and every choice and every mess and all the pain that would be in our life that he already knew Jesus paid for all of that. And it cost his life. There's a cost to that, but to know that we can still receive that love and goodness of his promises brings me so much hope. Like you just talked about, and to know that Jesus came and bridged the gap and that's what allows us to not be eternally separated from him. But that's also what gives me just this security in my heart of knowing I can't change who God is. Praise the Lord. Like I had said. And so seeing that as messy as my life has been in certain seasons, I mean, seriously, 19 year old Chelsea was an absolute disastrous wreck and to know that even in that place, God was still good. His heart was still good and he still loved me and to just have the security in that, to know that he loved me then just like he loves me now. There was nothing I could do to change that just really has shown me that there's nothing I can have in my life that changes his goodness and, and makes him not want good things for me again. Again, We can't take consequences out of those things, but God always wants good things.
0: Yeah. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Mm -mm. So good. Yeah. Thank goodness. Well, so you are also honest to say that marriage has had a way of being challenging, Mm -hmm. but beautiful all in the same breath. And for those of us that are all married, I mean, (laughs) we, I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't agree. So uh, what have your five years of marriage taught you so far? Oh my.
1: So I feel like when this whole mission of living with less started, it was really cool. Quick little backstory. So the Lord put live with less on my heart at the end of December. And then the podcast was born, you know, January, 2019. I want to say it was like a month and a half into it. I was like our son, he's two now. So he was like 15 months. I was taking care of him in the morning and I, I like went in to go see what Corey was doing because it was really early in the morning. And he told me that the Lord laid the words, live with less blank, whatever season he was going through on his heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the Lord used the same three words with us. And so that showed me something too, that God is faithful to put spouses on the same page, even Mm -hmm. when they're completely different. Yeah, Like my husband and I are. We are total opposites. It's probably a good thing because I can't imagine being married to someone just like me. That, movie <laughs> And vice versa. He would probably say the same thing. Um, but he, it just showed me that God is faithful to bring spouses who are both rooted in the word may not be at the same place at the same time in their walk, but God is faithful to bring them together. And so he showed me that, and this is year five. We've now been married for five years. So that was one thing that just, that was a new thing that God showed me that, Chelsea, I want you guys to be on the same page. It's like, I knew that, but I had yet to experience that. So it was really cool that he used those words to be like, oh, wow, Lord, you really do want us unified. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You really want us as one. Um, But I think the other things that it's taught me, the two main things that it's taught me is patience and willingness to trust. Because I've had a broken past, trust has been a really hard thing for me. Um, and then patience is just something that I feel like is, unfortunately, a fall in my sin nature. <laughs> I get so impatient. You were actually the person that um, when you were on my podcast, you said something like we need to be more open to having interruptions, which I loved that i that one has stayed in my mind. But that that means you have to be more patient and mm-hmm naturally I can be a leader. So becoming one with my husband and knowing that I have to learn to allow him to lead me. And that's been really challenging for me because I feel like that goes against every fleshly desire inside of me. But God has shown me so many facets of who he is that I wouldn't see. Otherwise, God has taught me that you can't lead if you don't know how to be led. Mm. And I know in James, it says, you know, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And that has really convicted me within my marriage that I have got to listen to my husband and be more patient with him because he processes differently than me. And I have to be willing to trust a, the Holy spirit working in him, but also to trust him that he is thinking of things and he is processing, processing things. And I just have to be available to listen to him. And then I need to be much more, slowly thinking about my words before I let them out of my mouth. And just knowing that God's entrusted Corey to me to take care of him too. Like we're called to take care of each other's hearts. And so I've just had to, those are some of the things that he's really taught me, but more than anything, the biggest thing I feel like the Lord has taught me in marriage all together is I cannot be someone else's Holy spirit. It is my job to encourage and love and support and prayerfully consider and then have conversations. Um, But the Holy Spirit's job is the Holy Spirit's job and not my own. So there are some days where I feel like I remember saying these words. This is getting really honest, but I feel like this is a safe place to be transparent. But I remember saying to the Lord, I was like, God, I cannot handle him, but I know you can. And not that I couldn't handle him. There was nothing crazy going on within our marriage, but because we're so different, I was like, I cannot handle the way he does things. It drives me nuts, but it brought me to this place of seeing, but the Lord can. God never asked me to handle and control my husband, right? but I had put that on myself. And so just seeing that God did not put Corey and Chelsea together. So Chelsea can be Corey's Holy spirit. (laughs) That's not why God called us to marriage. Mm. So that's been the biggest thing that I've learned that it is not my place to be his Holy spirit and vice versa. And I feel like Corey gives me that space. He is really good at that. I think he sees, he's like, the Lord's got her like, he's always pretty (laughs) he's always pretty clear with her yeah Yeah. so but that's been the biggest thing for me
0: yeah my hands are clean (laughs) yeah right exactly no I I often say that I feel like marriage is like we're sharpening each other you know like iron sharpens iron and like that's not always easy or pain-free but yet it makes Mm -hmm. us better you know (laughs) yes Well, so 1 Timothy Mm -hmm. is a book that has made you realize that every moment matters to the kingdom Mm -hmm. and you say that there isn't one second of our day or one relationship in our life that isn't Mm -hmm. important to the Lord. So Mm -hmm. how have you determined to guard what God has given you Mm -hmm. and how would you encourage the woman listening to do the same? So I'm just laughing at myself because I'm reading some of my notes here and I'm like,
1: Oh Chelsea, but <laughs> I'm like remembering the example that I'm going to share. So, First Timothy six twenty has become um, just a life verse for me, and that's guard the deposit entrusted to you. And that's what Paul wrote to Timothy um, about his ministry. And you need to guard the relationships and guard, like if God's putting someone in front of you, He is entrusting that moment to you with that person, and vice versa for that person. The Lord is entrusting that moment to someone else to speak truth to you or to grow your character in Christ. And I remember someone telling me that this is where this whole every moment matters came to me. But someone told me this is a couple years ago. She was like, just relax. Like I don't feel like you always need to be working on things. And I feel like you're always really digging into things like within your faith. And while I know she wasn't trying to say that to say that I was doing something wrong. And I know she wasn't, she wasn't trying to like say something, not encouraging, but I remember thinking after we walked away from that conversation, I was like, you want me to relax? Like this all matters. Every moment matters. All of my encounters matter. Um, all of my moments in front of people are either, and this is not in a legalistic way. This is just truly what I believe in my heart is, Every moment that I have in front of somebody is either a moment that will point them to the heart of Christ or it will point them away from him. Mm, wow. One or the other. Wow, and wow. I have had my fair share of doing both. Mm-hmm. So the story why I was chuckling before we started. So I was at Starbucks. Uh, I don't know. This was around the holiday season and it was busy. Cam was hungry. I was hungry. No restaurants were had any seating. So I was like, whatever, we'll go to Starbucks. I'll get one of those little like packaged up meals you can get and we'll call it a day. Well, Cam was being a two-year-old, you know, so he's fussing because he wants his stuff. And I was so irritated. And I asked the barista if she'd give me a spoon. Well, in the moment of asking her for the spoon, Cam like got upset about something and she held the spoon out and I literally ripped the spoon out of her hand. Like Like you would have thought she just did the worst thing in the world to me (laughs) the way I ripped it out of her hand. And no, I, I never mentioned that I was a Christian. I didn't say, I didn't have a necklace on or a t-shirt. I had nothing on there, but I ripped the spoon out of her hand and I, and I walked away and I went and sat down with him and my mom was with me. And I looked at my mom and I was like, I just ripped a spoon out of somebody's hand that did nothing to me. She did nothing but stand there and be patient with me and my crying two-year-old. So I was like, okay, that was not a good moment. That was not a good representation of Christ. I need to go up there and tell her I'm sorry. So I go up and she's probably like 19 years old. And I went up and I was like, excuse me. She goes, oh, do you need something? I'm like, she's probably like wanting to run. (laughs) And I said, I just need to apologize for the way I ripped that spoon out of your hand. I said, that was so wrong to do to you you did nothing to frustrate me and I just needed to apologize and she was really sweet and was like oh no it wasn't a big you know big deal but that's one of those moments to me where that mattered that mattered how she was feeling loved on but not only that God showed me his character that Chelsea that is not how I am when I'm when you're doing something irritating I don't just rip things out of your hands I stand there and show grace over you And so that whole guarding the deposit entrusted to you has been something that's really just changed the way I view my moments with people that that moment matters. And it doesn't matter if they don't know you're a Christian. When you show love to somebody, because it comes from the love of Christ, there's something different about it. And I can say that because I've been the girl that has been loved on by people that I didn't know was a Christian when I was not walking with him. And I noticed something different. And so- I just believe like, that's what God calls us to do. Every moment matters. Every person matters. And for both of us, for them and for us to just growing in his character.
0: Gosh, that um, challenges me personally so Mm -hmm. much. So good. One of my favorite quotes from you Mm -hmm. is to start serving where we are and not think that we'll serve when we get where Mm -hmm. we want to be. How do we stop grumbling about where God has us and start Mm -hmm. seeking his purpose right Mm -hmm. where you are or where we are? You know,
1: I feel like this thing, this quote that you got, I feel like this came shortly after I interviewed you because your episode really, it challenged me to see like, all right, I want to serve where God has me. I don't want to wait until he puts me somewhere, you know, God has me where he wants me right now. And I guess I would tell somebody that's maybe saying, well, how do I serve where I am? I would just say, look beneath the surface and us and our humanists, we can get so caught up in seeing everything at face value, but God calls us to more than that. And, you know, he calls us to, to look for the unseen. And so what does God have right under your nose that you're overlooking and, you know so there's there might be a neighbor that keeps calling you or a random friend that you somehow keep bumping into at a store at a really unlikely time or you have the same server at a restaurant or there's a teacher that your child can't stop talking about there is a reason that those things are happening and when we start serving these people that God has right in front of us i think we'll actually start seeing this shift in our culture because yes platforms are great and we see these people with all these followers doing these huge things and putting on all these big conferences and all of this. And those are great because they impact people at large, but we need to start impacting the people that we see every day. And that's, you know, convicting for me. And something that has been so sweet that the Lord has just really shown me recently is there is, um, we randomly have one rental house on our street. And our neighborhood doesn't have many rental homes in it. So it's so odd. And I live on a cul-de-sac. This house is at the back of the cul-de-sac with by my house. And there's a middle school girl that lives there with her mom and her grandma. And she knows I stay at home. And so I, you know, I'd said before, like, oh, if you ever need anything, you know, come on over, let me know, whatever. Well, she started showing up and knocking on the door and she'd say that she was locked out of her house. So of course I'm like, oh gosh, come on in, come on in. Well, it started to become like multiple times a week. And because I'm not looking beneath the surface, I'm like, why does she keep locking herself out of the house? You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at this at face value. And then I realized one day I'm like, there's another stay at home mom that lives on my street. That's technically a few steps closer to her house than my house, but she keeps coming to my house Mm -hmm. and. I need to like, look at that a little deeper and go beneath the surface. And so I told her right around Christmas time, I like, I invited her over one day. Like, I I think it was at the end of the school day. I just texted and said, Hey, Cam and I have a little something for you for Christmas. Feel free to pop over. You're going to laugh and probably so will everyone else. She has never locked her keys or she's never locked herself out of her house again but she still comes here multiple times a week. Mm, And so I was like, Lord, oh my gosh. Like she's my mission field on my street. Like I don't need to jump on an airplane. And I know some people are called overseas, but sometimes it's literally in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. And it's so sweet. She actually just texted me this morning before sitting down to record and said, can I come over and bake a cake with you today? Like the sweetest thing. And so to know that, When we stop thinking, everything has to be so big and it has to be this huge glamorous thing sometimes. Like, no, sometimes God's just calling you to hang out with the eighth grader that lives in your cul-de-sac.
0: That is so good. It's like, you know, the the two commandments, love God and love our neighbor. And that's like, literally, literal. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But the fact you, you said you weren't patient and that's what you're, but you've opened your doors Mm. and you are, you know, I'm sure every time she knocks, it's not always like, the most opportune time, but you still are opening up your door. And that, that is the sweetest story. I love that. And I think it goes right back to what you were talking about, about every moment matters, you Mm -hmm. know, and like he's entrusted you to that interaction. And so what are we going to do with it? And you're choosing to point her to Jesus in it. Mm -hmm. And I love that story so much. She's so sweet too. She is so sweet. My word. Well, so this season on the podcast, I'm mm-hmm. actually asking my guests who has loved them well. So and this is a hard question because I know there's lots of people. I but... know. I was like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> so, but is there, is there somebody that first comes to mind for you? And, and then would you share how they loved you well?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe you get this answer a lot. Maybe not. But my mom, she's the first person that came to my mind. Pastor Jim was a close second, but we'll just go with my mom. Um, My mom has prayed for me, I mean, every day, probably since before I was born. But literally those hard years, she woke up every morning and set aside one hour of her prayer time to pray for me and to pray for just the Lord to captivate my heart and all of that. And that has shown me in my life now just true obedience and what loving someone really means and how you love somebody through their really hard seasons. And she has just stood beside me and cheered me on, on my good days and my terrible days. And it was actually just this week where I texted her and I said, mom, I really feel God calling me to uproot some of these anxious thoughts that I've dealt with for years. Can you, can I call you? Can you pray them with me? And so we got on FaceTime and I sent her the prayer. Sorry, I'm getting all emotional, but I sent her the prayer and she prayed these words out loud with me over me. And I just thought that is such a representation of loving someone well and truly being the hands and feet of Jesus to, you know, my mom has had to pray the prayers that no mom wants to pray, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and to pray that their daughter won't do these things when she knew I was doing those things. So she is the person in my life that I think has just loved me so well through, through it all, literally through all of it. So.
0: And what, like, and that's the kind of mom I want to be, you know, and I'm sure you would say the same for your son. Yes. Yeah. Well, so how can listeners stay in contact with you? Tell us all the ways that we can find you.
1: Okay. So I'm most active on Instagram. So they can follow me there. It's at living with less podcast. I am not on Facebook. My husband and I got called away from Facebook like five years ago. So we are not on there. I say we, I guess I, I tell my husband all the time. I'm like, honey, this is like your mission too. We're one. You are part (laughs) of this too. So I'm most active on Instagram. And then um, the podcast goes live every Wednesday and they can find that at my website on Apple podcasts on Spotify and SoundCloud. And then I do post on the blog part of my website as well. And those are on every Friday over at chelseademattis.com. But I just love getting to connect with people over there. I mean, that's how you and I got connected. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was through She Speaks, but it was because of connecting afterwards over that. So that's just been really cool to get to connect with people over that. And I like to be on Instagram stories. So you can definitely find me on the Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah
0: over there yeah. um I, I mean even though we live so separately I feel like it, it I don't know I mean social media has its good and it's bad but I yeah. enjoy it for for connections like this because I yes. believe you know you're my friend and a sister yes. in Christ and I I'm just encouraged by mm. your, your heart and your ministry and mm. um you're just inspiring and so I pray that as We all have listened to your words that we're encouraged Mm -hmm. to live with less after Mm -hmm. this conversation. So, thank you for being my guest today, Chelsea. God bless you. Oh, thank you. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know that you could be spending your time doing lots of other things, and the fact that you chose to spend your time tuning in and listening to this podcast means the world to me. I hope and pray that as you listen to Chelsea's words that you too can focus on living with less of the things that are getting in the way of who Christ is calling you to be. In the show notes, you can also see where I was a guest on her podcast, the Living with Less podcast. You can hear our conversation just by visiting Apple or Spotify or SoundCloud or by heading over to her website at chelseadematis.com. Next week is a local friend of mine named Melissa Lancaster. She works at our local hospital as the Director of Ministry and Volunteer Services. She's in charge of the Healthcare Explorers program praying for the sick patients and the visitors that are attending and so we just talk about how she has seen God work miracles through the power of prayer and just loving those that are are ill and in the hospital extraordinarily so I hope that you will make plans to listen in to next week's episode with Melissa Lancaster as well but until then I hope that you have a terrific week and as always remember to lead with love. Thank mm-hmm. you.